Happy Juneteenth. I don't know if anybody's listening or if anybody's on. And as people get on, I'll just keep saying happy Juneteenth. So just inform us every time a new person joins. So we can just keep saying it. <laughs> Give me the links. Yeah. Well, yeah, happy Juneteenth. Um, we're still waiting on a few other people. There, There's no specific topic that we're like covering um, other than Black Lives Matter and just the continued conversation that we've been having every week. Um, I'm going to toss it to JoJo. No, stop tossing it to me. Can you keep the ball for a little bit? Can you dribble? Like, no, I can't. I can't. Like, just dribble a little bit more. I can't, yo. <laughs> well, oh, no, I think my, my question would be like, how do you feel today? Ooh. Like, how do you, like, like, for, um, like for me, I woke up this morning and I've been waking up like for the past couple mornings, like with, with a sense of urgency, pride, but also like every morning I wake up, I see like there's some other lynchings. There's like nooses hanging from trees in Oakland. And I'm like, I, I, I hear that. And then I also then have that like element of pride where I'm like, we're making so much impact and we're like, doing something that people are truly getting scared of the, the movement. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's actually weird because today, and I talk about this a lot, like how anxious I am, but like today I kind of woke up really anxious because in the past years, Juneteenth has just been a holiday that we just naturally celebrated. It wasn't as big as it is today. Sure. And, you know, just like kind of any function, you don't really know too much of the details and like the in-depth of the history. You just like know, like, this is a day that we all get together and celebrate. And so uh, coming into today, I was anxious because um, there is so much of my history that I do not know that I'm still discovering and that I'm still figuring it out. And even the more of the details or in-depth of uh, what Juneteenth is and like, I guess it's just, it's a little overwhelming, but I'm glad that we're here. I'm glad people are acknowledging it. Um, it is more than just a function. It's more than a barbecue. It is having these conversations and educating each other. Um, but again, like there's still this like vast amount of things that I do not know. And it's actually like, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of overwhelming. It's very sad. It's heartbreaking, but like, I try not to dwell too much on those feelings versus the feelings of like, Hey, we're here. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Like there was even something <clears throat> like the video that I posted this morning. There was something I was working on yesterday and I literally just heard young, um, young, gifted and black. And mm -hmm. I was like, as long as I've, I've, I've been listening to these songs every morning. I, I made like a playlist. Uh, so I was like listening to that. I'm like, this, this is like such a beautiful moment in time. And while there is that anxiety, it's such a beautiful moment because even with the backdrop of, of all of the racism, seeing my brothers and sisters from all across the spectrum representing yeah. together during this time, 
And even seeing my like Filipino friends like representing and standing during this time has been one of, again, I'm, I'm highly encouraged and highly proud. And while Juneteenth is this like day of celebration, there is also this like need to pull from the, the strength of our ancestors. And I probably say this on every one of these podcasts so far, it's like my joy in being black is the, the beauty that has come from the adversity. Uh, the, the continued striving, the continued pushing forward, no matter what happens, right? Like, like the, the, the video of the woman, she was like, we've never wanted revenge. We literally just are, are fighting for uh, apologies. And even like something that I just posted today about the, the idea of this versus July 4th and this being the true Independence Day. This is Independence Day because this is the day that more people were freed, right? And it, it, represents, it represents a people in the freeing of a people who have fought for the freedoms of everybody yeah. continuously throughout the ages and like throughout the duration and like length of the existence of America. So it's like, I felt so patriotic. I felt more patriotic about this day, today when I woke up than I've ever felt about the 4th of July, mm. ever. And I literally, I legit remember going to like Paris and like experiencing their Bastille Day. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so much emotion. Like they're so passionate about Bastille Day. Like they know the history, they know everything about it. I felt like, deep emotion with it that I had never felt with our July 4th. I was like, maybe, maybe ours just isn't that, that important. Yeah. It's like this year I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is true independence day. Mm-hmm. Like I feel this resounding feeling and sense of freedom and, and urgency to continue to chase that freedom. Well, um, you know, in light of Juneteenth, I think we can also acknowledge uh, CP time and how real it is. And <laughs> on a subject of CP time, uh, hi, Andrew. <laughs> oh, what's up? This, this is, uh, I didn't want Juneteenth to be about this. You know, I'm a little bit late. But there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. In my, in my world. Today is supposed to be... So this is supposed to be a celebratory day. Like I come in, I was already feeling better about hearing Erwin talking about this day. It's just, it's been, it's been great. It's been great to hear that. I am excited though. Like, I'm glad that you are feeling like, I think like just something you were touching on that has been, I, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, uplifting me in light of all these things is I think that like, even today is a signal of a change that will last, Mm -hmm. you know, the recognition of, you know, today, the recognition of Juneteenth. I, I'm, I hope that it's a signal of more to come, but I'm happy that today I think will now be a, I've seen companies talking about the observation of this as a holiday. Um, and I think that it will become like that is that alone is a pervasive change in our culture that is not did not exist before. Like while people knew about it, but it was not recognized or observed. It was sort of like truthfully. And this is sad to say for a lot of people, it was like every other day that is like there's an observation of some holiday, but we don't respect it, think about it, talk about it, or reflect on it. You know what I mean? Um, and so to see out in culture, like people being out in the streets, 
um, and this is what it can lead to is really, you know, I know it's a small thing and it's not the win that we're all hoping and it's not the entirety of the change, but it does reinstill my like vigor about the ability for us to change. And I'm yeah. so glad that it happened around a holiday like this because there's a reason to to remind us every year next year when this comes around do you remember what we were going through at this time oh. last year um it's a reminder and it's anchored in a ritual now about everything we're talking about because that's the thing that's been worrying me the most is like our culture just moves on so fast mm -hmm. and i'm so glad that this is a bit of an anchor that we can come back to and talk about um next year because we have a day there's gonna be so many more people who have a day off and they know why. And even if even if they go out and like every other holiday, it's not like really about. It's still a reminder, and I think it's a, it's an opportunity for us to say something, whether it be on social media, or whatever we want to do, whatever it means to you. I'm just glad that we have like an anchor to come back to, in the future. Mic drop. We're done. That's the end of, that's the Is end that of it? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't tear it up. Just can't come in. Just and I, I, no, it's just it's it's uplifting. Like to hear you talk about it, dude, is like it's great. Like you know, to feel patriotic about it, and I do feel it was even preceding this day. Like I could see this coming. Like you know what I mean? Like I felt the energy around this, and and the fact that people are talking about it more um, is change. Um, in some way, shape, shape or form. It's not, it's not perfect, but I always say like, you don't want to let perfect be the enemy of progress. And this is something I'll take whatever we can get. Dude, yeah. I think all of these micro changes and micro adjustments in culture, that's what we need because we're really asking for people to shift their lens on how they view society. That's not going to happen overnight. It happens through these small things. It happens through the recognition that black history is history. It's not a, mm -hmm. it's not one month. It's literally an ongoing dialogue and conversation of how we in all cultures are weaved into the fabric of the narrative of, of the building of this world, right? Like right now, everything is so Eurocentric and like these moments, allow us to have that dialogue and allow us to have that conversation. And that's what I've loved about this. And even I've seen people on like social media saying like, yeah, the cops got arrested. Why are you still like chill out? I'm like, no, it's like there was an opening. The point. It was like legit an opening and then we're, we're taking it. Yeah. It's like we yeah. took, just like we took Beethoven. We're taking <laughs> We're taking all we can. It's like the it's like the the black draft in Chappelle. We're just, <laughs> like, it's ours. It's ours. It's ours. I don't know. Oh, um, I was reading this article and I didn't get to really go in depth with it, but it was showing how um, a lot of. Um, our uh, statues and sculptures and stuff like that in uh, museums were uh, bleached and how they were black people. Um, you know how they broke off their noses and stuff like that so mm -hmm. they wouldn't have black uh, black qualities and just kind of like took them and claimed them as their own. So, and that's just something I learned today in the article I had read was from like years ago. I even found like a Tumblr page with all this like black art that I've never even like knew existed, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's these un uncoverings and unsurfacings. And I actually think that it should come from us and start with us, but also 
start teaching our kids that too. Um, I had a conversation with my girls this morning. Um, they're eight and four. Um, and, you know, I was like, today's a holiday. And they was like, what? I was like, it's Juneteenth. It was like, what's Juneteenth? And I was like, oh, you know, the day that, you know, um, you know, black people were free um, from slavery. And they were just like, slavery? And I was like, <laughs> it, was, it was like, it was hard having, because you're trying to like dumb it down small enough to where they got it. But she was like, oh, I hate Juneteenth. Like, I was like, no, this is the day of like celebration. This is the day that like, you know, we can celebrate my freedom, your freedom. She's like, so you were a slave? I was like, no, <laughs> I wasn't a slave. But like, I think we are, we struggle having these car conversations with kids, but it's important to like, just kind of work with it, you know, try to find a way to kind of just spark, like spark it a little bit. So they have a little grasp and then yep. they can continue to learn and build off of it. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Again, like, in our, to... oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, finish, finish your thought. No, I, I was just like, saying in like, in school, you know, again, like it's the whole like trying to unlearn things. And I saw this meme where it's just like, we only learned, um, what is that book called? Um, what is that walking book, Bert? Uh, to Kill a, to a, kill a Mockingbird? To Kill a yeah. Mockingbird, yeah. I like it. Yeah, like, that was a lot of people's third book. That was a lot of people's like intro to racism. And I'm like, but that was still written by like a white woman, <laughs> you know, like. Well, yeah. And I think that's, that's the crazy part is like, I think the way that we educate everybody today, right? It's, we, they're really ugly parts of our history. And I think that we, we diminish our focus on those things. And really what we should do, I mean, what's the expression, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Like what we really should do is like amplify the ugly parts so that people don't commit those same misguided acts again in, in any way. And it's, but it's like our tendency to write the happy path version of our history, everything everything in American history is like bright and happy. And even, even Juneteenth is like the freedom of slaves on paper, but like the law, like it was, it was ugly out there for a long time, like a long time. You look into things like the the black wall street in Oklahoma, like um, just there's, there is terrible things that have still, that continued to happen for a long time, but it's still a good day to commemorate because it's, it's anchored in something that, I guess was a signal of a start mm-hmm. of a progression closer to where we want to be. The progression we're still all in, um, you know, but I think it's the same as what you were just saying. Like even the companies recognizing right now, it's micro progressions, mm-hmm. major jump or major leap. Um, we still have systemic racism that we're tackling. Right. So it's not like mm-hmm. not the end all be all. And I would, that's, that's the one thing I would hope people don't get from like just the celebration side. They're like, okay, we gave you guys, uh, you got it. <laughs> we arrested the people. Uh, we were acknowledging, uh, systemic, systemic racism. And now you got Juneteenth. So chill out. <laughs> and you guys are good for a couple years, right? So, I'm like, <laughs> No, but, no, but that's so true though. Like that's the thing. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, finish. I was saying we're not, and I that's that to me is like the energy. Again, for me, that's the energy I feel. The energy I feel is like we're not done. You're. This is a day we got it. Great. Like the next thing, the next thing, the next yeah. next thing. Like education. Let's get that. Let's get our education. Yeah. 
I want people to know about us and our history to what Jojo was saying, because that, like we were talking about in the past podcast, that's what anchors you and gives you the foundation to feel super prideful and to be able to accept the dark, the, the dark background right mm-hmm. our society like if you don't have that anchor then you do not want to accept that dark background you do not want to talk about slavery it's like way too hard to talk about but when you understand totally. the power you can also then like dive into like the negative side so that you can see like this is what is covered up and now i'm um, jumping um one other sorry one other thing to, to hit on jojo's point one thing that I actually really love about right now is that all of these times, and you and I have talked about this before, all of the times that um, I've said something or maybe you've said something or Andrew, maybe you've said something about like our culture and like black history and people are like, nah, that, that's a conspiracy. Like that's not real. Like, I'm loving that people are truly digging into stuff and realizing that all of these yeah. things that sound like conspiracies are real. Like they're that they're mm-hmm. that insane, and the oppression was that insane that it sounds like fucking aliens, but it's just the reality of what happened due to supremacy. Mm-hmm. And we kind of post this. Uh, I mean, I posted about it, but like, and this is just like a sliver of the issues, right? Like, there's so many more things that are going on with us, and like, just for an example, like what's going on in Chicago with like people like dropping off guns in like poor neighborhoods so like we can keep like the black on black crimes going like things like that like, this is just the tip of the iceberg and like you guys said like it's kind of interesting to know that like as tired as i am right now as exhausted i might like think i am like this is just the beginning and there's so much more that we have to address and like build off of and work on and i mean i'm excited and every time i have this conversation with friends you know white black whatever like everyone is also like very hungry and eager um so i just wanted to kind of move past the idea and and i think that's my own like reservations it's like this is just a black trend and people are only like interested because this is the topic and that it will phase out and i would like to see that when i'm sorry oh Oh, i said that's right i was yeah audibly agreeing with you (laughs) (laughs) no but i would like to see when this isn't like the hot subject like how we continue to move forward and how people are still going to educate um around you know this topic and amongst other things that are going on agreed yeah i think i I think that oh go ahead no the internet moment (laughs) (laughs) eric and i were literally just talking about that with uh, what what created this momentum and this energy is that there's nothing else to do. There's so much. Yeah. So it was like it's like God given that everything happened right now, right? Because if it didn't happen right now, we wouldn't have had focus. We would have been like watching sports. We would have been going to the beach. We would have been going to restaurants. We'd have been like, I'm just gonna get drunk. Fuck it. Like that would have been our like life. Whereas like right now, that's the only thing. And my. <clears throat> there was like this tweet that like really resonated with me uh where it was just saying like as as much as i like love sports um we don't need that right now that's just going to be a distraction from the real conversation it was like I, with all the with all the people getting hung with the with the abuses with the systemic racism that's what we need to solve sports is just going to be a distraction and so I do hope that when things do come back, if they come back, I hope that the necessary people within those spaces, let's say like a LeBron James or whoever is in those spaces, like stands up 
to not only continue the conversation on the court, but says, I'm not going to play. I'm going to take a step back because there's a bigger conversation going on right now that is way more important than me playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, think, um, no, that, that, that's important. Like, I think it ties back to like something I was going to say, I think it's really important, right? Like while like we, we sort of have like two things like Erwin, you're talking about like cultural change earlier comes fucking slow. Mm-hmm. It's one, like, it's not even a step at a time. It's like a quarter step at a time, like real change because people do not change their minds like that quickly. It's like, we have to know that it's going to come really slow. So at the same time, it's like, I want to celebrate, like, I want to celebrate and appreciate the progress we make because that is energy to continue to move forward. Because the most important thing that we can do is realize like it's an infinite game we're in. Like there's no, there's, there's not an end zone that we're probably going to hit in our lifetime. So we need to continue this line of thinking and our thought process so that the world that like you were saying last week, we were talking for your daughter, Jojo is that much better. Like it's a lifetime better of work of people who were passionate about this and focused on it and continued to move forward, um, move, continue to, to inch towards that end zone. Um, because what I don't want to get is like, we throw our hands up apathetically because we can't get it to perfect. And I Mm -hmm. think like, if we recognize that change is going, if we know, look, this is, this is a long game. This is a lifetime of work I got ahead of me. And I can stay changing one mind at a time for whatever my part I can do is just like you were talking about, like, what can LeBron James do every day? Cause like, even when he does that, like we have to recognize that there's going to be distraction. The world is going to turn back to what it is. How do we keep the energy of moving forward? And I think it's important to recognize like the things that will inspire us to continue to do that is to em- uh, embrace the, 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 the little things that we have made progress on. And remember those like for us to say, it's important for me to keep doing this because I can make a difference. And if I think the only difference I can make is like the perfect scenario, I will lose energy, you know? Like, look, we, I saw something change. I saw a little thing change and I just need to get the next little thing to change. And then the next little thing to change and then the next little thing, because otherwise we'll just, we'll fizzle out. And I don't want that to, I don't want us to lose energy around it yeah. um, moving forward too. I think that's something important to acknowledge. And I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday um, about like how like exhausted I was. Like, man, I'm like, I'm really fucking tired. And this feels like I'm talking and I'm posting and I'm talking and like, I'm trying to make all these changes. And then I was just like, I was like, but like, what are the like quick wins? What are the small wins, you know? And I I guess to your point, like, I don't think about that because I'm just saying like, fuck, we still got so much to do. You know, like these little wins aren't meaningful until like everything is fixed, you know? And so we just blow this shit up and start over. And like, that obviously Mm -hmm. isn't going to happen. But um, yeah, like to sit back and think about the things that I have done um, to like, to provoke change, even in like mm-hmm. my small community or my groups of friends or just the conversations or even like these brand beats. Like honestly, having these conversations that I would with you guys organically and naturally, but giving it a platform um, for everyone else to see, like it's it's sparking more conversation. And I think that's up to acknowledge and also to kind of be proud of. Totally. Yes. 
Um, I think everyone, we, we have this consultant um, and his name is Sohail. And one thing that I'm always constantly trying to remember uh, was something when he says, like, what does the like the world look like for you in the future? Like, how would you want it to look? How would that feel? Um, and that's important to stick, like, to kind of keep in the back of my mind as we're going through this and, like, to not give up is because we see this world as this, like, open space where, uh, you know, color is there, we acknowledge it, but it's, like, celebrated and we love it and we can, like, encourage each other and support each other in a way that doesn't feel so fucking forced all the time. Um, and I, I don't know where I was going to end with that, but I think that's something that I'm also working on as well um, through my optimism or trying to be optimistic. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's important. Like, I think it, I think it is important, right? Like we do. Okay. Like I'm going to tie this back to like the fucking work we do every day. Right. Like we always have a long-term vision for where we want to be but we always recognize like, what are the steps it's going to take to get there? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think you make a plan. It's like, I think the subject matter we're talking about is a 50 year plan, sadly. And oh, maybe yeah. we make leaps and bounds, but yeah. like you said, Erwin, it's like, we got to change culture. We got to change the way people think. And I think it's, it's happening, but like we need, it needs more. It needs, it needs, it needs continued drive and it needs continued energy. Like the things you're saying. And, um, it's, almost, it's almost like we have to plan out what the world looks like that we want to be at so that we can figure out how, how do we get there? And that's why some people have been saying like, even people putting on their bios that they are an anti-racist is, is counterproductive to the movement. Mainly because it's, it's positioning it wrong, right? we're working towards in a space um, where society is anti-racist. Yes. You aren't anti-racist, right? It, it, if you just say you, you yourself are anti-racist, it almost takes the work that's necessary to get there out. It makes you feel good and it promotes, it like helps and like feeds your ego. But the reality is you just saying it does not make it true. It takes- You know what it's like? Collectively for us to get there. No, just just to add to what you're saying, I'll let you finish it. It's exactly like saying a war on drugs or a war on terrorism. Like, what are you going to do and how do you continue to sustain that effort? Because those are things that exist. Racism is a concept. Yeah. How do we how do we make progress towards that not being a reality? Terrorism is a concept. Drug use is a concept like you can't. It, it suggests that there's some end zone. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, no, we need to change fundamentally like just how we're operating as a system to get there yeah because i mean like we we said in the the past one systemic racism didn't just happen overnight it wasn't like somebody was like gonna do systemic racism right now (laughs) it was like all of these different policies and things put in place that over time created this situation that um benefits some that's it and it's like it's that same level of effort is what we have to put in and we have to put in more work because we're working against that system mm-hmm. and if we want progress faster we just have to put in more and more work like that's the we have to put in so much energy for this and mm-hmm. it, that does, totally that does become like hyper taxing so like going back to even like being a black person and a black man right now with with like this desire and this like energy to like 
do stuff, to like share, to post, to create things, to donate, to do whatever. It's like, I then also have a full-time job as a creative director. It's like, you have to balance. balance. And then now it's also like, we have the, the, the D&E group at Basic. And now it's like, mm-hmm. I try and balance all these things out that I'm hyper passionate about. It, it is exhausting. And mm-hmm. it's like something I, I wrestle with at the end of every week when I'm like just dead or at the end of every day when I'm just dead, I'm just like, it's, it's exhausting, but it's worth it at the end of the day. Because even if I don't get to enjoy my children will get to enjoy and my children's children and my children's children's children will get to enjoy whatever it is in that freedom that mm-hmm. we're fighting. Like MLK, totally. MLK didn't get to enjoy what he fought for. And that's mm-hmm. just the reality. And mm-hmm. I, like every day when I do go to sleep and why I wake up with excitement is like, that's fine. Because if mm-hmm. we do it, no one else is going to do it. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's what it takes. We just need a bunch of, we're not comparing to MLK, but we just need a bunch of that fucking energy. I was about to say- The energy. I am about to say big dick energy, but he just- (laughs) 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 No, but he, he, but look, the reality you're talking about is like he was purpose driven, right? Like there was a purpose. Like he found, he, there was, there was something that was driving what he did. And you're right, he didn't get to, even if he was alive today, I think maybe the world that he was inching towards isn't the world that he thought we should live in ultimately. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's the, I have a dream speech, but it's like, we still don't live in that world exactly. But I think like, that's what I, you know what I mean? Like, that's not like he was, he was, he made a North star for where we want to go. And it was like, but what he worked towards was, he put us in a world that was closer to that North star. It's like, you it's know, like we're doing branding. So like you said, like taking it back to what we do every fucking day when we're doing fucking yeah. branding, you literally paint a North star that you might never reach, but it's mm-hmm. exactly working. At it. And a brand or a company is an ongoing concern that takes constant input to be relevant. That is the same mm-hmm. effort that we need to put in. Yep. Freedom is a brand. And America, honestly, is a brand that is supposed to be embracing this idea of freedom, right? And that, to mm-hmm. me, we're chasing that. And while, again, while we might not get there and while there always will be things that we're going to have to, like, fight against, et cetera, which is, why, which is why it makes this idea of freedom such an amazing sort of brand goal. Because it there will always be work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And it doesn't let anybody ever let up. Mm-hmm. that's the thing we're not going for some end zone you know it's just there's this is about like i'm gonna say something that like i've, I've kicked around in my mind it's like kind of controversial or whatever like I, but i don't even have like a real strong position on it, but i'm interested to hear your thought on it like i think racism is in human nature right like it is racism is is core to we who we are as beings on this planet because we have an us versus them mentality as like a biological creature. It is, it is part of what helped us survive in the past, but it is also a nasty part of our biology, ultimately, now that we are the complex creatures that we are. I mean, I don't know that I, I feel very strongly about that, but I do think that is a natural result of uh, our evolution. And I think what we're asking for today is how do we evolve past that? Like mm-hmm. as as a um, 
as a being. How can we move past that? We need to like hit. Like we ask people before when you say you're anti-racist. I'm like, I don't want. I don't want to point another us versus them. I want to say let's move to let's move past that. Like in how we operate and who we are as a species, because that is sort of we need to we need to get past that part of us that 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 part of our nature that makes us us versus them. Because like we were talking about last week. It exists in every culture. Mm-hmm. It exists in, in Asian culture and black culture and whatever. Never and and I think, yes, yes, yes. Bias. Sorry. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, same thing. Same thing. Uh, I mean, for the purpose of, for the for the lid, for the lid, yeah. And you're right. Words do matter. So I should I should be careful with what I say. But um, but I guess the point that I'm making is like what I want people to do is like I want you to fucking evolve. Because everybody goes out and they go like, well, I'm not fucking racist. But I'm like, no, I want you to change the way you fucking think. Mm-hmm. Like change who you are as a person because like you're not stopping to think about the fact that like, and accepting that you have bias, that you have prejudice. Um, and if you can accept the fact that like, you're not necessarily at fault for that, but do that so that you can go, I recognize that, I'm aware of it. I will now like take the steps to, to truly not be that, to live yeah. in a world that de- is, is devoid of that. Yeah. I, no, I actually completely agree. Because I mean, you've yeah. read tribes, I've read tribes, like even that idea is like, we need a group to belong to, and then we fight yes. against the group. Like that's just the, that is the reality. And then yeah. even a study done where uh, a, a person gave like, I think five people quarters or something, or no, gave one person, 75 cents and one person uh 25 cents and they were like will you give that other person a quarter so you guys are equal and even and he was like no like he he needed that something to like lord over someone else so you're right this yes of lording over other people is just inherent in our nature and like in black culture we have light skin versus dark skin right so we even have that within our own culture um within that analogy it's important to acknowledge that black people have always had that 25 cents and be made oh yeah. yes yeah yeah so, no like, yes that's, so that's, the point of like we all have our biases and prejudices it's like for me as a black woman i might be a little bit biased because of fear or because of you know what has been instilled for me and what have i kind of experienced versus like prejudice and racism through like white people is kind of what they just have you know what they what they're given they have the right to be rigid uh prejudice and bias and i i think it's like when we all kind of want to like move past that word it is starting where we're starting now is like fixing everyone outwardly so we can actually feel comfortable within our skin i can feel comfortable i think you guys saw that video of that little boy playing basketball in his like yard and a police car mm-hmm. by he hit behind the car like mm-hmm. that is called prejudice or bias or whatever but he had every right to feel that way and so yeah to to your point we all might be that way but it's it's for a reason and until we kind of acknowledge like what's up here again it's like we are i'm going to continue to have my like reservations about my safety you're right you're right no no like i think what erwin and i are tapping into is like maybe like what's our nature and how does that play a role in it but the culture we live in is exactly that right like because frankly there are people who in this culture who have benefited 
from from the dynamic that's fallen out from our nature. I'm just saying our nature is the cause of these things. But ultimately, we live in a culture where there are winners and losers. And you're right. There are people who are extreme fucking losers. Yeah. And, and in a lot of cases, like, and, and that's, a, that's an absolute reality. You cannot move forward without acknowledging that, you know, without acknowledging that. We're going to, like... To, to connect those two. I think the, the point of bringing up the nature part was just to talk about how deep rooted it is in our society, mm-hmm. in, our, in people. And so exactly people thinking that it's going to be a quick thing. I think that's like, at the end yeah. of the day, that's the, that's the point of bringing up the nature piece is like, it's deep right. in people and these people who have power, who are lording it over people, white supremacy and all of that stuff, it's deep rooted in who they are. And so it does take them checking that within themselves that's exactly like and i think we've like that's what everybody's been saying like recognize your white supremacy recognize how you're benefiting so that you can actually see it and shift it's not about you becoming the savior right like i think that that's like there's like a key differentiation because there's a lot of people who will come in and say like i'm an anti-racist now and then they come in and they try and be like a savior to the whole like culture and the whole black race um, mm-hmm. without recognizing their own privilege and checking themselves and checking with themselves and working on themselves. Yes. I guess, yeah. I, yeah. It, well, that, and that's the point I'm making too at the same time, Erwin, like I'm trying to say, um, I want people to, like you just said, check yourself. Like I even look for, is this, does this line of thinking exist in me? And like, yeah, I, here, here's an example. Like if I can eliminate the us versus them, like, or, or at least be aware of when am I being us versus them? Because, and then, and then decide like, is that bias? Is that prejudice? Like here's a, here's a way that it does exist. Like even at basic, right? We used to, we've always been like, basic fucking versus the world little low basic kind of like doing what we can like i'm just saying that is still an us versus them mentality and i think it served us that well it wasn't a bias because it wasn't saying that everybody out there was bad it came from a place of like i want to uplift who we are but it's good to have the thought process and i think that if other people have that practice of going like where does what's driving my us versus them and am I okay with that? That's how you challenge prejudice. That's how you like be aware of your own prejudice. But you're right, Jojo. Like we just, I think we're trying to give people maybe a mechanism for like, one, it's okay to stop and challenge that. And then two, maybe like, here's an opportunity for you to like recognize where that comes from and decide whether or not like that's prejudice, that's bias that you have in your life. You know, and, um, you're right, like black people, especially in America have been the 25 cent, you know, the reception end of it. That's absolutely true. And that is the work that needs to be done. I'm just, I want to give people a way of like, how do you get there to like challenge your own biases too, so that they have more tools to to do it, you know? Yeah. And to that point, um, I think it kind of starts from, again, home and the conversations that you have at home mm-hmm. with like your family, your loved ones, yourself. Um, I was uh, watching, I think I even brought it up last week, maybe, but this uh, woman, Sonia Renee Taylor, she uh, kind of brought up, it's like, you know, again, why do like white people feel like they have the right to tell us how, you know, black people should be treated when it should go a little bit further. It's like, what makes you feel like you can have, you have that privilege to do it and like explore that more. Like, 
you know what I mean? It's explore your own biases and prejudice because it could be just something so small. It's like, oh, you know, black people deserve to live in like the suburbs. But OK, but what if we want to live where we live? Like what, again, gives mm-hmm. you that privilege to say those mm-hmm. things, to speak those things? And yes. even for us, too, and, and I don't want to say it goes... I, I guess to bring it back a little bit for, uh, like to reality for myself, it's like a lot of times I feel like I don't deserve or a lot of times I feel like um, I'm not articulate enough or I'm not smart enough or I don't have all the information. And like, that's just kind of what I have felt for so long. And now as I'm starting to get like a voice or a platform as I'm becoming this leader, I feel like I have to like smash everything together and just be this like perfect person when, other people aren't and they have the same platform as I do. You know what I mean? So it's like, I get to where you're saying like, how do we kind of equal it out? But I need the encouragement and the support the same way that they feel like they have the the right to, to, to do what they do, you know? Like we can just- you're right. And that, that comes back to the abolishment of the idea of supremacy, because you only have those thoughts because you think you're supposed to be a thing. You only yeah. think like, oh, I'm not good enough because I'm supposed to be this thing. We're like, or you go, who I am and where my culture came from is perfect and important. Yeah. And, and, and we need the rest of the world to do that too. You know, like, just like you said, like, you don't need to change anything. It's enough. It's plenty. It's, it's actually important that it exists in some ways. So that's what we were talking about. Like the, even the mission of our D and I group is to pursue that world that embraces mm-hmm. multiculturalism and the beauty of multiculturalism with open arms and embraces difference, right? And doesn't even see it as other. Cause I feel like people can embrace different and don't, and just see it as other. Like it's not about seeing it, mm. as, seeing it as something that is beautiful, that should be embraced and acknowledged and accepted and understood. And so we even begin to have this conversation around when you look at even the world of um, business and like, business professional and suiting and all of that stuff. So taking it into the world of fashion, that is so Eurocentric driven. Mm. And so if you're in America, you have to wear a suit to be considered professional. That suit is not the same suit African person will wear in Africa. I mean, mm-hmm. God, that suit is not the same suit that let's say traditional uh, suiting would be in Vietnam, right? But if you come to America or if you go to a westernized country, you have to basically take on the idea of professional. And so that's even going to this idea of it being so deep rooted and so like there's these micro moments and micro interactions that people view as very small. And while they are small on the outside, they have a really deep, impactful impact on your mental state and how you look at your own culture. Because if I come to America or if I say like, this is what my parents have taught me and showed me like the, the most beautiful clothing, right? And then I go to a job interview and they're like, you can't wear that. That's not professional. You're like, there's this disconnect. I've been told this thing at home, but apparently the world doesn't accept it. And while that person telling you it might think it's just saying like, they might not think you're offending you. They might not think you're, they're down talking to you. They might even like toss out of like, it's beautiful, but it's not right for here. Like those little things. And many of those little things is why we feel the way we feel is why we feel like we have to change our tone, why we feel like we have to shift, why we have to fucking code switch. Like Mm -hmm. those little moments and little interactions are why. It was not like one major moment. It wasn't one time when somebody said like, you're talking too black. It was like all of these micro moments and micro experiences that ended up building a habit 
over time of like slight self-hate. Uh, and depending on like where you are on that spectrum, like maybe you don't hate yourself that much, or maybe you don't even realize you hate yourself. But if it, it, I feel like we all have that, like we all have that little bit. We all have something that we're, yeah. all, we're, all, we're, we're all now reckoning with. So that's all. That's also like the exhausting piece of like us having to educate while we're also reckoning with like all of these things that we didn't even know about our own culture. We didn't know about ourselves. It's like yeah. we're learning too. We're like, we're getting, we're getting up to speed because no one taught us this stuff. We're like developing the pride as we're going. And I, like, for me, I, w- I was like very prideful, but still I wasn't as prideful as I could be in my culture. Like the fact that I feel so much energy now and yeah, I walked around with the black fist in the air when I was in high school, but it's like, I don't necessarily know if it, know if it had as much like resonance and like meaning in the heart as it does right now. When I uh, went to school in San Francisco College, um, I had moved there from Atlanta. And Atlanta, again, like where it's a lot of black people and I'm just, I was comfortable. And then I moved to San Francisco and went to art school where there wasn't that many of us. And so like the first three or something years, I was doing work that I wasn't proud of. Um, and I, and I, I got my degree in photography, but I had also took a lot of film classes. And so I got to explore a little bit about my history and film through those classes. Um, but I remember my last year, um, when it came down to like your, your senior portfolio, I just was like, yo, like, what am I like, work needs to resonate with my feelings. How do I feel? And I was kind of depressed. So I just started doing this series of photographing black and brown people. And it ended up becoming some of the best work that I've ever done. And it was based upon me. I actually put myself around a group of uh, black people that kind of encouraged me that I started to like, to explore the beauty of what it meant to be black. And I just kind of just blew it out of the water. Like I got all my emotions out, even to my portfolio today. It's like, it's, it's the work that uh, deeply resonated with me. And so when I moved to New York, I was like, oh, I'm gonna explore, you know, trying to become a professional photographer. And every time I show my portfolio to people, they're just like, oh, you have a lot of black people in your portfolio. Like, there's not a lot of white people. And I'm just like, would you say that if it's vice versa? Like, would, are you feeling that same way about seeing a bunch of white people in portfolios, but not enough black people? And I was actually like repeatedly having these conversations and it was just kind of like shocking to me. Cause it's like, I wanted to explore what black, like the beauty of black people meant without all the extreme makeup. Like we're in nature, we're at least ourselves. And like people were intimidated. I saw the intimidation of that. And I remember even on Tumblr, like I was blowing up on Tumblr and then this one white woman came. She's like, what do you know about African suffrage? She's like, you let me send you some articles. And I was like, bitch, I was like, what? But like, it, it, it actually kind of, I was fighting for it. I was like fighting because like, this is me, this is what I'm proud of. But it's the same thing where it's just like, am I not good enough? Do I need to be for, for like taking pictures of more white people? Do I need to like not express myself in that lane? And to be honest, that's kind of one of the reasons why I don't do photography anymore because mm-hmm. everything that I do is not mine. It has to be for someone else for me to make money off of it. The commercialization of your art. Yeah. Like exactly. Basically, oh, you need to you need to embrace you need to diversify in order to sell more. Excuse <laughs> <gets> me, bitch. <laughs> no, that, that's what I'm saying. Like that that's the pressure you were getting. Why are there not more white people in your book? Because they were going, 
in order to sell yourself and your capabilities, yeah. you need to commercialize yourself and say like, Oh, I, I have a broad range, right? You, just like literally every corporation, when they have an ad, they go, we need to get a little more diversity in this ad. Like let's get a black person in here and a person in Oriental descent and then a wheelchair person. Oh, like, oh, that's a terrible word. Hey, but you know what I'm saying? Like it is like, it is coming down to the individual level of like you expressing yourself. And that's, gross <laughs> yeah. you know yeah it's gross and like even going into that I, I remember like when I was a younger designer I used to never I used to be wary to put black people in some of the ads that I was doing because I was like I recognize that white people can't relate to them and they would basically see it as a black brand as opposed to seeing it as just a brand mm -hmm. I remember being so proud of yeah. that when Bevel came out, Razor. Yeah. Like, it's a it's a fucking it's a brand. It's a beautiful brand and it's owned by a black man. Like that to me was like the most brilliant thing that I hadn't seen because everything was either like it's black or it's or it's like white. Like black things. Or it's white only black shit. I can too. I'm so upset. And like black people, black people could see themselves in in like white ads. But yeah. it couldn't happen unless you're like some hyper, like beautiful, like black person. Right. That was like the only time you can get in an ad. And that was the only time people were like, yeah, I can maybe maybe can see myself as that person. But like other than that, it wasn't like, yeah, it was it was working in this industry. It has definitely been like disheartening sometimes yeah. to never be able to yeah. see yourself as the as the desired aesthetic and not even from a beauty yeah. standpoint but from like an experience standpoint to say like this person, whether he's brown, black, white, whatever, he has a human experience and you can't see the human experience in it. You just see a black experience. Mm. It goes down to like the, the movie. What, what was the Netflix thing that I said that I watched that you just posted? Oh, uh, oh God. Um, uh, now they, now they see us. Now they see us. Now, now they see, see us. us. No, 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 no. No, no. <laughs> Why did that put me on the spot? Yeah, there's a there's a great like series that like goes through black cinematography in cinema. Oh, 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 oh. They gotta have us. Like it was so amazing, and it, it they, gotta, yeah, they gotta have us. Like they were they were always relegated to like black film. Even though it was like drama, comedy, whatever. It was like you put Tyler Perry next to a Spike Lee movie. That doesn't make sense, but they did because it was just viewed as like black movies. And it didn't yeah. with other like genres. And so I feel like that's how I felt when I was first coming into this space or this industry where it was just like if you made something black, it was just black. Or it was sport. Yeah. Other like you're right. Brand or a sport brand. It couldn't go outside of that at all. I, and that's like that's like the tokenism of it right like in a in a commercial space because like something you were saying earlier right like did you you grew up, uh where you grew up in cleveland was it predominantly white or did you have like a good mix well i mean I'm curious I, I have a so i'm gonna balance it a little bit i grew up in a predominantly an all jewish uh, all jewish community so it's predominantly so white. like drake you're like drake <laughs> <laughs> But my my family is like a hundred deep or something in like Cleveland, and mm -hmm. I worked in the inner city with my parents. So it, it wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. like I wasn't around. I had I had a balance, but I did grow no, up. No, 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 no. 
Right. I guess, okay, the reason I asked you, cause, and I'm, I'm, this is just like personal, because I grew up in a predominantly white community, right? And I've like, the last like few weeks have been incredibly like, personally reflective on my entire life, like between my parents and like everything else. And I was the same way, right? Where growing up, I actually thought I was proud to be black, but I've actually challenged myself that like, I actually feel like I'm, I'm struggling with the fact that like, I might've lived through like my own self tokenism. I was proud to be different. Wow. I was, I was proud. I was very proud to be different. And I thought it offered me something, but I liked it because I was appreciated because I was different, not necessarily because I had a real connection to like my black culture. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and I, and like, like my fucking mind has been like crazy. I'm like, yo, did I, do I have an identity like of tokenism in, in a weird way because of the community in which I grew up in? And I'm like, damn, do I really have like that much of a connection to things? And so like when you were saying you used to walk around with your hand up and I'm like, I was curious because I thought you grew up in a similar situation. Like, did you actually grow up because that was like about black pride? Or was that, I mean, I'm getting real personal, but, or, or do you like, when you think about that, like, was that about part of your, your stance in the community in which you grew up in? No. So I will say like most of my friends were black. I grew up in a white community, but most of my friends are black. My parents put me in Jack and Jill because they recognized that I was like one of the only black kids in a, in a this suburban school. But oh, yeah, was to make you and to help you realize that you aren't the only one, right? So it's a group of like mm-hmm. who are all in suburban schools. And I was like highly active in my like church, a black church, and my family, who I spent most of my time yeah. with, my best friends. So, and I was my parents like, made it a point actually my aunt sent me books every month about like different black leaders and black figures throughout history that i like mm. so for me there was like this deep pride in my black mm. and i so was you like, had, like the educational black story basically yeah. mm-hmm. i like i yeah i like loved being black mm. <laughs> yeah loved, right but, but there was like but right now I love being black, but I didn't necessarily see the impact on society. And I don't necessarily know if I saw the systemic racism because I was kind of, I kind of was like blind to the systemic racism, if that makes sense. Like I didn't learn about the systemic racism towards black people. I yeah. learned about the power of black people. Like, that's, 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 that's it. And like we watched Roots in high school. Uh-huh. Was a, oh, that was you watched a, in high school? Oh, no, no, no. Not even in high school. We watched it in elementary school. <laughs> what? Wow. Yeah. Well, it's like, I think my, like, I had way more me than, than mm-hmm. other people might have, even though I went to an all-white school. I don't know why the fuck we watch Roots. I don't know. I definitely didn't have that experience. Punta <laughs> Kente, baby. We watched it from beginning to end. So yeah. Wow. Class, we, like, watched an episode or part of an episode. Was it social? Yeah. What, what class was it? Social studies? In elementary school, you just have like a class. I don't know. We just like watched it. These wow. are. <laughs> well, I mean, I do know some people watch it because they try and like educate people. On, they use roots to be a part of like they. Here's the African American story in our country. <laughs> We're good, right? Let's move on to fucking social studies now. <laughs> 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 
I let me unlearn you for all the stuff you just watched on Roots. <laughs> but I will say there was, there wasn't necessarily for me the 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 tokenism, but there was like a one dimensional aspect. Yes, that that yes. It, it protected me because I wasn't scared of racism yeah. because I didn't see it. And even if it happened to me, I was probably so like guarded by my family and like who my family was as far as like. I see like entrepreneurial black people. I see powerful black people. So for me, I'm like, fuck racism. This shit doesn't exist. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm powerful than that. I resonate with that so much, right? Because I think it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't about tokenism in my mind, but I think it was like sort of my system protecting itself, right? Like I was different and I was definitely viewed as different, right? Which in and of itself is a bit of like the bias and the recognition, like wrecking, uh, or like the bias that exists in, in our culture. I protected myself by sort of associating it with power. Mm-hmm. So it was the idealistic view of African-Americans, but I never connected to the pain of the black struggle in the same way, like mm-hmm. our history of pain, you know what I mean? So like, I happened to grow up in a situation on the fucking West Coast, or at least at high school, right? Like I came up on the West Coast and I'm like, there's less racism, but more, but it's a reality. Like we are a different, I'm a different individual. But I saw, all the, I saw the positives growing up and I use that as like a way of like uplifting myself. But at the same time, I mean, I've, I dealt with racism deeply. Like I mentioned it last week, like Lindsay and I talked about it. And like these last three weeks, like I've been exploring all kinds of shit, like having conversations with my dad. I'll, I'm gonna tell you this, like this is, this shit has fucked me up for like days. My dad, my dad was raised like racist, right? Like racist originally. And that changed a lot in his, in his life. But he told me the first time that he met a black person, he was afraid to touch the same baseball. He left the playground because him, he had a friend who had a, a black friend. They were playing baseball. My dad said he wouldn't touch the baseball. That was the, that was the mindset he was raised with. Um, and that fucked me up. I'm like, how could a person who believed that at one point in life, now he was a child, like when that happened, be a person who fathers and that like, fathers an African-American child, right? Or at least a mixed individual. And I still been like fucking with that, like in my mind. I'm like, that's where my dad came. But it ultimately, like when I look back on it, I'm like, it's uplifting to me because I see the kind of change that can happen in a lifetime with the right experiences. Like my dad rejected all of that. He rejected all of that. And not only, he didn't just reject it, he rejected his family and he rejected all of that negative thought. And so when it comes back to this idea of like what we're asking people to do is like evolve, like I do think the amount of progress we can make in a short amount of time is incredibly powerful. I do think we can come a really long way. Like he's an example or a testament that much like Lindsay's family is of someone who can challenge themselves in their own way of thinking to change that. Now, a lot of what he changed had to do with religion, which is a whole other subject that I don't want to get into, but I will say like religion, what he told me his story was like religion was part of that change for him. Absolutely. It's part of that change for him. Yeah. And it's a, it's a controversial, look, I was raised Jehovah's Witness. My dad was Jehovah's Witness and that's what changed for him. Uh, And I'm definitely not a Jehovah's Witness anymore because that's not for me. But, um, but, but I also recognize the beauty in what that level of like 
belief in something can do for you as a person. And that's why I like, it's so much more important for people to, you know, um, have that conviction in terms of like the purpose being purpose driven can change who you are to the core. It's for, to go from a person who was afraid to touch the same object, fucking back to the goddamn water fountains back in the day to, to a person who fathers a person of mixed descent like myself is actually like a really uplifting story at the end of the day, mm. you know? Um, which is just, it's just like, it's just wild. Like that. And that's been like my last fucking three weeks of like, holy shit, I'm having conversations with my own family that I never really, even, I never heard that in my life. I know my dad came a long way, but God damn it. Like that's wild. Like I never would, like I could never imagine yeah. my father thinking something like that, but he did. And it makes me feel so much like, you're not at fault for being programmed the way you're programmed. You are at fault for not challenging. Uh, you're absolutely. You know what I mean? I, that's the problem. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. I like commend that story. And, and I think I think in the last episode, I had to acknowledge it's like, I grew up with a very black story. So like, mm -hmm. bi like being biracial never really resonated with me because I just like knew what it just was like to be black. And like, I was born in Chicago, Southside. I grew up, like, I have distinct memories of living in the projects. Like, I was that, like, that was my story. And I remember slowly coming up in the world from, like, living in the projects. I still remember the elevator smelling like piss. I still remember, like, having, like, bars on your windows. Like, that was, like, how I lived for a while. And then we moved into, it's still the South Side, but like my grandma's house who had like a nicer home. And like, I don't even remember actually seeing white people, if I can be honest. I don't have any like childhood memories where white people were part of my story until mm -hmm. later. So even with the black experience, like there was a lot of shit going in there because obviously the black on black crime is what, the only thing that I knew it was like, be afraid of the police and like, maybe some guy like in a gang is gonna come kill you. And, uh, but like that experience to me was like precious because I remember having this like community, like being at my grandma's house, going outside, having block parties, like celebrating Juneteenth or whatever. And like knowing that the neighbors got you, you can ride your bike down the street. Like everyone in that community knows you. Um, so when I moved to Atlanta, where like I realized like, oh, white people exist and they're racist. <laughs> and then I had the, you know, I'm only, I'm not only black, but I'm also Muslim. And it happened around 2K, uh, 2000 when like they're talking about, uh, oh, the KKK is going to come out and wipe out all the black people. I was scared then. And then I remember, oh, 9-11 happened and I was going to a Muslim private school and I was terrified of putting a, a hijab, which is a scarf on every day, to where I stopped wearing it and I took myself out of private school. Mm -hmm. And so like I, the things that I learned was to like, oh, white people aren't safe. <laughs> you know, like I didn't know who they were before, but now I know them and I know that they have the upper hand on us. Like shit's getting real. And it took a lot of like learning and unlearning. And like, I have a lot of white friends now who accept me for being this person that I am. But knowing that there are people out there that wanted to harm you and hurt you was kind of like, my experience that's the kind of reason why i am today so like when you like brought up like i never really walked around with like a fist but like i was only black so yeah. i didn't know yeah you know and again like i didn't learn about 
you know, art history. All I knew was like, this is just a black experience. You know, you're lucky yeah. to be here today and keep thriving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, even in my experience, I'm still like learning. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I mean, you have to, it's good to question, to reflect, to stop and look back at what were your motivations in that moment? You know, it's been really eye-opening. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person that, like, I benefit greatly from, like, I go to therapy every other week. And I, 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 and I, I spend time, you know, I, I started that when I was a child. I stopped it for a long time, and I've gone back to it in my adult life. And it's not because I have problems. Like, I'm not a person that's, like, at risk. Like, it's something that I, like, truly, like, due to spend time trying to understand myself because I don't like, I think we all don't do that. We, most of us sort of get by and we go, Oh, I'm happy or I'm not. And I'll go to therapy if I'm depressed. And I'm like, I, the only way we challenge ourselves and we grow is to like actually challenge ourselves. And that is like to say, why do I do that? Like, I know that it makes me happy. I know that I'm okay, but like, I think that if more people who were victims of being biased, victims of being prejudiced, right, had a practice of self-reflection and self-critique and digging into their own thought process and like, where do these things come from? Like, was that programmed? Like, why am I this religion? So on and so forth. That we would be in a much better place. But like as a society and as a culture, we don't do stuff like that. We, we frown on that. We tell you, you only need to go to, you only need to like check yourself if you fucking up. And that's not the truth. Like we're all, we're all fucking up. Like just accept that and then check yourself. Like just stop and go. The, the most boring autobiography is like, yeah, my parents were cool. They were good. And I'm the same way. Like, no, fuck that. What are you doing to move forward? Um, what are you doing to like make the thought process get better? And I think that like, that's the, that is the, that is why we live with things today that are racism bias because people don't ever stop and challenge what they were programmed to be and who they are. I think if I can kind of circle back to like the most important part of my childhood is like having the community, right? Like, again, I told you I was able to like be in my neighborhood, ride my bike and like know that someone was always watching me, you know, like, my daughter doesn't have that. I don't know my fucking neighbors. And we're in this like tight quarters, right? We don't have block parties anymore. We don't have functions. We don't have family reunions. We don't have any of those things that kind of like root us back to what actually is Juneteenth. Like, yes, there's a lot of historical facts mm-hmm. about it, but like as an adult now, how do we celebrate it? We celebrate it by maybe getting together with a few people, but like how amazing with the knowledge that we have today, right now, would it be to fucking have a block party in San Diego? And I think that's why I love right. New York so much was like, there was always a function going on in Central Park or Prospect Park that was free. And you don't even have to know each other. Like, I remember one time I just went to Prospect Park and a bunch of black people came together and we played Duck Duck Goose as adults. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? It's like feeling reconnected. And like right now, even though we are the most aware, we are the most siloed. We are the most like, mm. we are not together. And I would love to kind of explore what that looks like because yes, 
as I was able to celebrate the 4th of July, as I was able to celebrate any holiday, it meant the most to me because I was with my family, I was with friends, I was with loved ones. I had that protection, that community. And I would love to see that being put together now. And I don't want to say free because obviously we have to kind of build up our community, but like a way to kind of join us that it doesn't feel like, again, these black people or initiatives have to be here. They have to be here. They have to be here. When we're all doing the same thing and that's just coming together. Mm-hmm. Completely, completely agree with that. And I feel like we we live in a world that is seemingly bringing us together, but it's actually driving us further apart. And Erwin made this point. It was like, when all this shit happened, he was worried about, you know, you said you were worried that like, we're going to go into these echo chambers and it's going to be worse. And I don't think we see it. Like, like we are coming together in an interesting way because we're rallying around this one idea, but it's like, I think it's really important for people to recognize that like the importance of like community culture um, and, and, and appreciation for cultures you're not a part of. Like that is like, that is, that is a cure, like recognition for recognition of cultures that don't exist. Not, I don't see color. It's yeah. like, oh, their color exists and it's beautiful mm-hmm. yeah. color. You know what I mean? And that's fine. That's who we are as human beings. And we've oftentimes like, we think that the, I don't see color or many, maybe, maybe I don't, but like many people see like, I don't see color as the, anti-racist like no like it's not that it's that that color that culture whatever it is has something really important and passionate to bring to the human experience and you need to tap into that and you need to take from that what you think is beautiful but like being closed off from that is that is the problem the problem is like the thinking that you don't need to do that or something's wrong with those people or whatever, and not having the empathy, the understanding, or the sympathy to to recognize their story, mm-hmm. because they are the way that they are because of their experience. Erwin and I kind of talked about it. Like it was brought up. It was like, what's the difference between like black and African American? We're both just like, I'm fucking tired of being called African American. I'm black. You know what I mean? Like you can put African American on a list, whatever. If you need to separate us that way, but like the fact that like people feel bad of like calling us black or I can't say white, I have to call them Caucasian. It's like it is what it is. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like are PC or like non-PC terms. (laughs) Yeah, like it's like people felt weird about calling us black, so they're like, call me Caucasian, and you don't have to call me red. I won't call you black. It's like just say black. It's fine. Like it's not the N word. It is just, and I, and I view myself as a, as a black man. Yeah. You know what I, can can I be honest with you about something about the whole, the dual identity thing that bothers me is like, specifically with African-Americans, right? Like there's Asian Americans, Mexican Americans, like we're all Americans, right? Like we're saying something, we say these things, right? Um, or Hispanic Americans, whatever the fuck it is. Specifically with African Americans, what bugs me is I actually don't, I think we're more American Africans. I think we are, we were, because of how we were brought into this country and then how Mm -hmm. we propagated like since our history, we're actually not, we don't have, like you talked about it last week, we don't have a connection to our culture. 
we're we're American Africans. We are like we were ripped away from our culture, our history, yeah. our yeah. privilege. And you take somebody like an Ethiopian, an Ethiopian American, like they are an Ethiopian who assimilated into American culture. Yes. We were many people who are descents, descendants of slaves or whatever. They are like, that's why like Erwin, you had, I think like three years ago, you were like, what would you call yourself? And I think I said an American. We were like, talk, I don't know what the conversation we were talking about or the context, but I'm like, it bugs me because I don't feel like, I, I do feel like African-Americans were robbed of a cultural history to even yes. say that I'm African before I'm an American. I'm like, no, nah, we're American Africans. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. We're different. Well, even, but even that, I'm like, I feel like we're just Americans. Like there's no, there's no like thing for whites at yeah. all. Well, I agree. Like, I'm black and I live and I'm Muslim, and they be like, "Where are you from? Are you Eritrean? Are you Ethiopian? Like you're Muslim, you can't be from here." And I'm like, "I'm from Chicago. I, I grew up in Atlanta. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like here. I'm American. I'm not my DNA to do no fucking ancestry test. So I'm just gonna say I'm from here. Like I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> we are from here. We are we are American as American can be. Yeah. Like if we're going to be called anything, it's like either for me, it's like call me an American or call me black. But I am black. Yes. black. Because like, exactly. there, there isn't like an Irish American. There isn't a, we don't say black people at all. We literally only That's say exactly people, right. which is the weirdest thing. Because then it's just <laughs> like, if you're white, you're just, you're just American. You're good. Yeah. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't like try and trace it back and go like, you know what? You're not full American. You're like something else in American. Like, no, we we have so many generations down the line that have been in America. Like, we are fucking American and we're black. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. We like we something else. I mean, I don't really like agree. Here's like being called an American, but like we're here now. (laughs) But here's the thing. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's right or America. What we are to America, we are the freedom to America. That's why I'm proud of that. Like, okay. like okay. I'm saying, like even what, even even what Eric uh, referenced. Like, we are the reason why he's here. Mm. We actually fought for true freedom of what America is. So even as we talk about what the brand promise of America is, which is freedom, black people have been fighting that fight and inching along to get there and making those micro steps to get there. So that's the reason I will say I'm a proud, I'm proud to be an American. So that's like, even my post earlier today was about true patriotism. We are, we are true patriots. We care for our, we care for our like fellow, fellow countrymen, no matter what color they are, we care for them. Right. We want to see progress in everybody. Like that was the dream. And so to me, that's patriotism. It has nothing to do with like the supremacy that, that, they associate with patriotism, which is the weirdest shit ever. Like, if that's what patriotism is, then you're just considering your own ego. You're considering your own greed. You're not considering your fellow countrymen. And that is not patriotism at all. Yeah. And I want to, and, and to your point, you're making too, Erwin, it's like, I want to reject the authority for anybody else to say that they're American and I'm not. Yeah. Like, no, like American is like 
I'm I'm as American as a fucking apple pie, and probably more American because I'm the product of America. You probably, like, probably made the apple pie. Like, we, yeah, that's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> why do Why don't I get to own that? Why do I need a hyphen? Like, yeah. I'm an American who happened, and and I'm black. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, it, it it just is a subtle suggestion that we're different when other people don't have to make that subtle suggestion. And I, and like in, to, in, in many ways, I like, I want to say like, I'm a fucking American. Absolutely. And what it means to be an American is it means that you can be any ethnicity mm. and an American. Yeah. Can I just like, I think like, even, even that subtle, sorry, even that subtle, like little hyphen is what we were talking about with the clothing. It is those subtle little things that work into your brain that you're like, it makes you feel other. Like you can't be that. Cause even if you travel yeah. around the world, people don't think about you or think about me or think about Jojo as American. Like when somebody sees yeah. immediately, maybe when we talk and all that stuff, but when somebody yeah. sees us, they're not gonna immediately associate American. But when they see like white people, they're like American. Right? Yes. And, and I want no, I, I had nothing else. I was just gonna. Uh, I was gonna. Okay. <laughs> I just want to say I want to be very. Dis- I want to be very clear because this is an important distinction. This is about the redefinition of American, and not about the lack of pride in being African or the lack of pride in being black. It's not about the exclusion or the recognition in those things. It is about like I reject the idea that the the single word American mm. suggests anything. Is mm-hmm. all. So that is it. There's nothing wrong with saying you're African American. I just reject that when somebody says they're American, it should mean anything at all. Yeah. So I got this tattoo like 10 plus years ago and like, it's always a conversational piece and I didn't know it was gonna end up that way. But I got uh, the African American flag, which is red, black, and green. And then it cuts off to the American flag which is in my definition, what red blank and blue. And so people are always like, oh, that's the American flag. I was like, yeah, there's an American flag. There's no white. <laughs> like, first of all, white does not show up on my pigment. And also I'm an American and I'm not white. So I'm not gonna put white mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's this kind of contrast on like what, like is considered African-American versus American. And it, it even took me a while to, before I even like got the tattoo to understand the distinction. It was like the African-American flag was created off of blood, our color of our skin and then the land of the people. Mm-hmm. And we had to fight for this to even to be acknowledged. But in the grand scheme of things, it's like it's red, blank and blue. And I think that's something important to acknowledge too when you guys are saying like, I am an American. And it's like, I am an American, but I am not white. You know what yeah. I mean? Because I'm white totally, doesn't sure. that I'm not American. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I never really associated it into this conversation where it goes like, yeah, like it's a lot of, not only us, but like, and even indigenous people, it's a lot of people that make up the Americas, not yeah. even United States, yeah. Canada, Mexico, South America is a whole big ass continent down there that we don't even <laughs> acknowledge. That is still America. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, why does this have to be filled in with white? Exactly. <laughs> and to me, that's like the, the beauty of this space and this place mm-hmm. we live is the multiculturalism. Yeah. That it, like that's the only thing that makes America cool. Like if it wasn't for that, America would not be cool. 
America not be a place that anybody wants to be at, be in. It is the multiculturalism. Yeah. Like it's not just the the singular nature of of of, of a people, right? Like one yes. one group of people did not make this world. It was yeah. made by the ingenuity of every single group working together, whether it was like through whatever means, but like building this world that we live in together. And it's it's so sad and fucked up that there's this one group that is like, nah, y'all ain't do shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like God history. Oh my like, god! Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a whole premise. Is like that 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 bug. I'll say something like really controversial and personal, but like American is an idea, not an identity, and mm-hmm. and and it bugs me so much. Like even when it comes to like things like um, religion, like when people want to bring religion into the idea of America, I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> don't say America was founded in Judeo-Christian. Like it was founded on the idea of I want freedom from oppression of religious thought. Yeah. Like yeah. I want it. It was founded on freedom of identity, of yeah. religion, of all of it. And so, uh, I just think people forget that. Like they like so often they want to act like there's some like American exceptionalism. I'm like, no, America is like an idea. That's what's exceptional about it. Like, you can be whatever you want to be. <laughs> but even, even, even from the birth, that is the irony and that is the hypocrisy that lies within America. It's like they were running from persecution and they're like, we're going to persecute these people for not believing what we believe in. So it, it goes back to what you're talking which is that deep-seated nature, which is like they knew what pain felt like. They knew what it was like to run from oppression and then they decided to oppress the people that they ran to their land yeah so it's like that deep-seated thing that we've been fighting since the birth of mankind of yes to travel back to juneteenth and i think why juneteenth is so powerful is like because abraham lincoln did not free us we freed ourselves Mm -hmm. today is the day that we celebrate our own personal freedom because yeah like someone stand on top of a balcony and was like oh y'all free Y'all can go back and work and make money off your slaves. We said, no, fuck you. I'm gonna go do my own shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that's what's more important when we just wrap this back up to what Juneteenth means to me. Mm-hmm. We're just like, we got to the point to where we just was like, you freed us, but you still wanted us to work under you, still like have your beliefs, still wear these shackles. And even though we still are shackled in some other kind of way, that was the beginning of to where we are today, to where we're continuing to free ourselves. Yeah. Thank that's, you. That's good. That yeah. good. Yes. That's a really good point. I would say, I I would, just, the, only thing, the only thing I would, oh, go ahead, Eric. Well, I mean, if I could just say one thing, because I, I really just wanted to listen to uh, this episode, <laughs> but, but uh, like we talk about America as an idea and like everyone says, oh, America is a land of opportunity. Yeah, it's a land of opportunity because like black people made it that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they had the opportunity, they had the initiative to like. That's why we're here today. Like the economy, fucking entertainment, like every facet of our country is because of black people. You know what I'm saying? Um, so like, fuck it. Like we don't even need the American flag. Like this is a controversial opinion, but like make it the Juneteenth flag. Like make it the the Black Pride flag. Like why do we even need this this symbol that has like oppressed everyone for so long? So that's why when like when uh taking it back to like Kaepernick. When he knelt and everyone's like, oh, he's like disrespecting the flag. Like, fuck that flag. 
I'm gonna get hate for this, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. He's literally doing, he's doing what it took to get the freedoms that we all enjoy. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Kaepernick, they always say Kaepernick was ahead of his time, and I was like, no, he was right on time. Yeah. He, he provoked that fucking ideology, and white people at that time wasn't ready, but he fucking started that shit, and he started on yeah. white people's territory, and that's what pissed them off. It's like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, you can do that shit in your own time. You're doing it on my time under my money. You know what I mean? That's what they're really pissed about. But he was just like, no, let me help you think about what this fucking flag means. And so I just, yes. <laughs> I mean, look, and let me give you a reason why I think oh, wait, Erwin and I are talking at the same time. Like when the flag means more than a body or a mm. person, yeah. then what does a flag really mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. At the end of the day, like, do we, again, do we care about our countrymen, our fellow countrymen? Because that's what true patriotism is. It has nothing to do with a flag, a piece of fabric. Yeah. What it has to do with is our care for our fellow countrymen and then embracing our fellow countrymen. That it, that's patriotic. Yes. Yes. Thank you. And, and here's what I was in that. Like, what I don't want Juneteenth to continue to be is like a, a, a black holiday. Right. Yeah. Here's, here's why it's an American holiday, in my opinion. Like, this is an American holiday that every single fucking person in this country needs to live by. Yeah. It's because it was the first, it was uh, an anchor to when we all stop being slaves to an old way of thinking. Mm. To whether you're white or black, it is a way you are no longer a slave to an archaic way of operating and thinking and organizing people around you. It was the, it's, a, it's an American holiday because it was when American ideals were actually um, lived by. Yeah. So it is the most American fucking holiday you can think of. Yeah. Live by that. That's why you should sell. Like, that's why you need to have a fucking barbecue in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, like when the Fourth of July happened, like black people were still slaves. We had like, oh, good for you. Let me yeah. go pick your cotton and get my ass beat. Like, <laughs> like who would we really free from? Yeah. Yes. I, yeah, I completely agree. It's when it's here's it's one of the first fucking days that America lived up to be in America. Yeah. Yes. Uh, at least symbolically. Now, fucking celebrate that. Like that is we were we were what we set out to be. Even if even if it wasn't perfect, it was an example, and that's why every Juneteenth, like you should go out and be like, I'm a I'm a blonde haired blue eyed German whatever. I can still celebrate this as an American day where we yeah. did something that we should have done. Yeah. Yes. I mean, listen, I will still take 4th of July off. Um, and I, will do, <laughs> I, will, I will do what I want to do with that day. I'll take it off. But we should acknowledge what Juneteenth means. And it, it, if we can just have these little victories in more progressive stints, I think that would just like allow us to feel more open, right? Like uh, we're, we're on this podcast today because is Juneteenth and that we feel liberated to have these conversations versus if it was only 4th of July, you and I, you know, us, we might not be here. And, and so like, I, I love the idea of like, what else? Like, what else is that we don't know? What else are we not celebrating? What else are we not acknowledging? And it's, it's a fucking lot. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's just like you guys said, like taking a step at a time and, and acknowledging and praising the small wins. 
I hate that we have February for Black History Month, but now I'm starting to see that like this, like, is it June or is it June? Like June now is like Black History Music or Black Music Month. Oh no, and I mean, it's like, I, think, I think honestly, it's just gonna be Black Black Year. I just think that we should just get to that point. Yeah. You know, like- Hold on. You're saying like Black- Hold up. Black Hold up. Black wait, 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 we already got February. Now we're gonna get 2020 as our year? Because 2020 <laughs> was fucked up. But guess what? We made it ours. It's our year. That's what we're good at. We're making the shit Fuck. that's fucked up yeah, a success. Yeah. We make successes out of what's fucked. pain into Right now. We'll take it. Progress. Also, <laughs> what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is black history is just history. It sucks that we're relegated to one month and that's when we all talk about black history. It's literally like we had so much impact on things and progress within society that we should just talk about it whenever we want to. We should just have conversations throughout the year. It shouldn't be keep keep our month, don't get rid of that. But (laughs) we we should continue the conversations past that month. Yes. Not relegated to that. That shouldn't be the only month that we feel like we can be fully black. Juneteenth shouldn't be the only day that we can be proud and out and like to be black. These conversations should continue to happen and it just becomes normalized. And then this day becomes the day like Andrew was saying, it's just a day of true independence that we're celebrating. We're celebrating the, the ideals of America on this day. But we're having these conversations all the time. Agree. So yeah, Black History years. Also, give me my repra- <laughs> reparations. I want my money. Oh, <laughs> you, you should be asking for a little much. Run me my money. <laughs> we deserve. Fuck that shit. We forty forty acres and a mule, right? You we want didn't that? Even that shit. <laughs> if if they just gave us all mules right now. <laughs> well, like, 40 acres? Can I own 40 acres? Like, I would take that shit. Just put, you um, you'll be nice. <laughs> like, desert? I can sell that. Well, I want the equivalent. I want the money equivalent. I mean, exactly. Yeah, what's, a, what's 40 acres worth right now? <laughs> Should we Google it? <laughs> it would have to be like 40 acres in Manhattan or San Francisco. That would, I'll take 40 acres pretty much anyway. You can give me the most bodunk, whatever. If you give me the monetary value of 40 acres, I'll take it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Least hospitable land. <laughs> so the bum fuck of Florida? Yeah, exactly. I don't want to go there. Don't do that. I don't want that. I even saw that. Never mind. All right. Well, um... Oh. This is great. <laughs> this is as usual. Look, we had a thin herd. We had a thin herd today. I'm sorry, I was late. Well, you're always late. CP time. I'm not gonna hold it against you. Um, Eric, is there any questions? Um, questions. Oh, how do you ask Eric? Does he have any questions? <laughs> I have questions. I'm not YouTube. I can't see. I have questions for America. Uh, those are my questions. I have questions for this country. Oh, shit. Um, but we have uh, comments from Gabe Moyes from Basic. Uh, from way back. Yeah. He's saying, y'all are onto it. We have to change the way people think about culture. Culture slash race plays such a big role in forming personal identity and finding out what makes you an individual. 
I feel there's yeah. a fine line to walk between discovering what makes you special and turning that into some form of superiority. Uh, I keep trying to think of surefire ways to avoid that and celebrating those differences is a good way to remind us that there aren't a reason to hate each other. Yeah. So, good points from Gabe. Mm, interesting. No questions, though. Oh, and Aaron uh, from the Bay Area office said, my school has never mentioned roots. So that's it. Dead ass. We never mentioned roots. Well, <laughs> well, if you got the time, uh, do you it. might as well just give, no, it, a, don't do give it. it a whirl. No. <laughs> it's, it's, I think we're beyond the slaves movies. Oh, I feel wow. like we should move past that. So, roots is heavy. Like, that's yeah. heavy. Dude, and, <laughs> I, and I was the only black kid. In that. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is heavy. That like, was, again, when I say when I say I haven't experienced like super outward racism, I haven't experienced things that like held me back. But there was like those yeah. moments where kids would make jokes about Chicken George and stuff like that. Yeah. Those micro moments. And so that was awkward because I knew I was watching my people. But then they were like, this is something outside of me. And then maybe they didn't see me as that, so they felt free to make jokes about. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I be honest, Erwin? You've experienced racism literally just by growing up in America, because yeah. when you feel like a minority, that is not something you would feel if you grew up in a culture of acceptance. Do you know what I mean? Like you feel different. So, sure. like regardless, like even if it even if it's not outside sources, even if like people embraced you, it's like. There's an unfortunate reality where it's like, we also, we put that on ourselves mm -hmm. as different. And I think that's what I, when I was getting into like tokenism, I was like, I think I did put some, some identity of different on myself in doing all that shit. And so I experienced it even before, like I even really knew the nuances and details of like everything that I would come to find in my like life about my family, about all that. So, it's just you've experienced being a minority, yeah. which feels a lot like racism, you know, or feeling like the minority. Well, like, like oh, yeah. to your point, it's like, what's minority in America? Like, we are a minority, you know, but like, I always, when I hear the word minority, I think about like Russians or like Jews or whatever, like, you know, anything that's associated to white people because we want to associate white people is like, oh, you know, they're there. They're the ones that gotta fight to da 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 da. But it's like again, we're the original ones that had to fight to do da da da. -da. Um, and yeah, to your point, it's 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 hard to acknowledge. It's hard to feel successful. It's hard to celebrate your wins in the community when you feel like there's so much more to do. But I am going to start celebrating like our little wins. You know, even the fact that our agency has acknowledged Juneteenth um, or other other places have acknowledged Juneteenth, whether you have the full day off, partial day, you know, shorten their meetings, whatever. It's like the little successes that will make a long-term, I guess, conversation. Because even as kids now, knowing that they have to recognize Juneteenth, they're gonna ask, like they ask me, what is today? You know, yeah. and like, this is their yeah. opportunity to shine. This is their opportunity yeah. to feel like, if, I, if my kid was like, what is Columbus Day? And I'm like, it ain't nothing. It's just a day. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a really good point though. Like honestly, like when I first started, or when you remember, like we used to like we used to fuck around and we would be like, yo, it's it's MLK day, but we'd still work. But we would say yeah. something about it and we would talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Or we would like 
or Irwin and I would fuck around and be like, let's take a shot of Henny. But like, but the reality was like, we actually, in doing that, before any of this happened, we decided as a company, before any of this happened, they're like, we should take that day off. We should observe that day. Like that is a day like, and I think this year before all this should happen, like we decided to like, it was this year or last year we were like, we're closed. Like let's observe that day. Like yeah. let's, let's make it a more meaningful day. And I think that's the kind of changes like that happens over time. Like this is an important day mm-hmm. and we give a lot of fucking stupid days out there that mean a lot less to a lot of people that are important to our company. So yep. why don't we put some more emphasis on the things that are really important to us? Yeah. I would love to shop on Juneteenth. Give me a sale. What y'all selling? I want it. But put a discount on it. The same way I put on Veterans Day, Columbus Day sale. Give me a Martin Luther King Day sale. <laughs> that's how, yo, that's how you actually get America to get on board. Is like, start Hello. <laughs> I will take that 5%, sir. I will still buy shit. I, I, so I'm opposite. I hope that never happens. I hope there's never a Juneteenth sale, mainly right. because then people just wait for it for the pricing and for the sales, and then it turns into a drinking holiday, and that's it. Mm. Wait, I, why do you associate drinking with? with might be. With- well, I'm saying like most other like holidays, it's either drinking or there's sales. You don't actually know the purpose of that holiday. Most well, of it is different. It is different. Exactly. Think about all the black people that get booked as models for the sh- for the shoots for that holiday imagery. We actually uplift the community. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I think I think this should just be a day if we're going to do that. Like buy from black brands. Mm. Don't, don't, don't buy from brands who are going to then hire the black people as tokens. Mm-hmm. Buy from but being, you know what? White people still go spend money at Macy's. We still yeah, want to target. White should buy Pierre Moss. Yeah. Okay. They don't go on sale, but I'm saying the bigger the bigger places should still go on sale because on sale is going to drive sales away from black brands. Literally, only black brands should just have. Should, you should only be yeah, only black brands. radical. Okay. Only bre- you can only buy from black brands on this day. Every other e-com site should just go down. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. Ooh, I think ooh, they go black. A black website. A black yeah. website. No, what they would actually do is then it would create like um, at least a little bit of equality and evenness on this one day. So you'll be able to find black banks. You'll be able to find black checking. Mm. You'll be able to find black things that are hidden because you can't, they can't like compete against the bigger brand. That's the idea. That's, that's the idea right there. You got it. If you're a retailer, you have to, you have to shut your website down. Black. If you are not African-American as your CEO, if he's not your CEO. Yeah. Or she, he or she. The only you house, have to if you need, if you need <laughs> home stuff, you need to do some fixing. Only Lowe's. <laughs> you should only be shopping at yeah, Lowe's. Yeah, we can't fuck. Home Depot got the plants. But I hear you. I, know. I completely, <laughs> I completely agree. It's fucked up. But um, I just hope that like conversations like this will spark more people. Even myself. And like I hear it all the time. It's like, you know, 
do something black, do something that's going to give back to your community, do something like just like jump on a leap of, of, of faith of like opening something that's yours or owning something that's yours. I hope that conversations like this do empower more black businesses to thrive. Um, and again, not just so that it's just right now it's a fat a fade and like two months or a year from now they end up closing because you know the hype isn't there but but to open more black businesses to recognize that like we are actually the reason why a lot of white people have businesses because we add to that culture we we support and rock that culture and we would like to invest that same keep that same energy within ourselves and also just no no black brand or any minority brand doesn't mean a worse brand for some yeah. reason, we might be a little slow, Irwin, with my t-shirt. But I mean, we got it. Like, social club. Did you do? Is you a June, Juneteenth t-shirt? <laughs> what? I mean, did you do a Juneteenth t-shirt? What a Juneteenth? What? No, I just did. I just come did, on, man. I did free the world from supremacy. That's the last. <laughs> I want to wear one for like the entire month of June. Yeah, I feel like we need a function T-shirt. Erwin, get on it. I'm good. I'm not. <laughs> right, I gotta go. I love design, you guys. This is literally designed by committee. You guys are trying to get me to make something now. <laughs> All right, y'all. On that note, we'll see everyone next week. Oh, we're still on live. <laughs> yeah, we're still live. <laughs> All right. Bye, YouTube. Thank you, everyone. Bye, everyone. Happy June weekend. Enjoy it. Bye. Bye. Are we all? <laughs> I don't know how to get now out of here. Right. Okay, bye. Oh, I have ambitions, dreams, but dreams don't come cheap. I saw a demon on my shoulder. It's looking like patriarchy, like scrubbing blood off the ceiling and bleaching another carpet. How my house get on it? Why toy and body don't embody all the life she wanted? The baby just 19. I know I dream all black. I seen that everything immortalized in tweets, all caps. They said they found her dead. One girl missing, another one girl missing. One girl missing, another. But niggas in the back, quiet as a church mouse. Basement studio when duty calls to get the verse out. I guess the ego hurt now. It's time to go to work. Wow, look at him go. He really doubts to write about me when the world is in smokes. When it's people in trees. When George was begging for his mother saying he couldn't breathe. He thought to write about me. One girl missing, another one gold missing. One girl missing, another one. Yo, but little did I know all my reading would be about there is trans women being murdered and this is all he can offer and this is all y'all receive. Distract you from the convo with organizers. They talking abolishing the police and this is a new world order. We democratizing Amazon, we burn down borders. This is a new vanguard. This is a new vanguard. I'm the new vanguard.